Welcome to another episode of the Brain Power Podcast. We're on a mission to improve the world through neuroscience. I'm your host, Devin Rome, and this is the Mendy Headset. And today I'm with Dr. Mustafa Hamada. Mustafa is the head of science at Mendy, a new neurotech startup in Sweden. Today we're going to talk about the Mendy Headset, what it is, how it works, and what exactly Mendy's mission is for the world. And to my fellow neuroscientists and people who are well-versed in neuroscience, you might hear me ask some simple questions, but that's just because I want to make sure that this podcast is as simple and understandable as possible for everyone. Because again, our mission is to improve the world through neuroscience. All right, let's start the show. Yeah, my name is Mustafa Hamada, and I'm the head of science at Mendy, and also um, in, in charge of the product developments at Mendy as well. Yeah, sorry, um, my so I was background confused is by your role there. That's why I wanted to have you cover that. Yeah, no worries. It's it's a startup, so you know we have you know it's multi-capping. You have a lot of roles, so it's not you know it's, it's titles don't really say anything. It's uh, we're all working on different roles at the same time. Um, but that's basically my main focus is the uh, research aspect, the science aspect of Mendy, but also at the same time, the product development. And my background is in, I'm originally an academic. My, my background is in research and uh, neuroscience. And um, after my research tenure, I moved to tech and worked as a software engineer and product development, development before I joined Mendy. I see. Yes, I looked at your LinkedIn and I saw that you did this bachelor's in, well, your entire educational background is super interesting. So, so you had bachelor's in uh, pharmacokinetics, toxicology, and then a PhD in neuroscience and biophysics, yep. and then a master of philosophy in experimental neuroscience. How did you go from that and then into uh, working in tech? Can you talk about that transition? Right. So, yeah, it's um, after my research tenure, as a person, I'm just, I'm pretty much really interested in a lot of things. And um, working in academia, uh, a lot of people just continue after their PhD, continue to do a postdoc, or uh, it's, it's what, well, it's what the PhD prepares you for. But um, I'm, I'm just a really curious person, and I've always been attracted to tech, and I've always been um, tink well, tinkering with hardware on my own time. And uh, my PhD was also very technical in terms of working with hardware and software and data analysis. So I wanted to you know, take my, what I learned during my PhD and be able to apply it outside academia and develop product and, um, well, product that makes, as cliche as it sounds more, you know, make, make people's lives a little bit better. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's actually the, the reason I want to uh, work in tech because I'm just really interested in tech and I want to, uh, a lot of people, there's, uh, you know, people say, you know, you can be either a noun or a verb, right? And now as a scientist for the rest of your life or a verb yeah. where you can basically do a lot of things and explore and sort of widen your vistas. I see. Pretty interesting. So can you talk then about your transition from uh, mm -hmm. where you were before and then how you got into Mendy? So before I was working for a smaller medtech company where we basically develop uh, digital solutions for elderly care. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a company that basically, um, uh, well, digitalized workflow uh, of, of these uh, elderly care homes. And it was really interesting. The work that we were doing was uh, phenomenal. The team I was working with is, is, was exceptional. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't have much views of my background, my research background. And um, so I was looking to be able to combine both somehow, you know, not the product development, the software development, but also at the same time, be able to apply my background into my work. I, I prefer the hybrid roles. And um, 
Yeah, actually, it, it's it's by fluke. One night, I was just searching online for neurotech startups, and I came across Mendy, contacted our uh, CEO, uh, Mohabin Sophia, and uh, yeah, we I sent him a, a message, and um, we had a meeting, and I got introduced to the company, and I was really sold from the start. I was uh, I was really intrigued by the work that we're doing, and the mission of the company is to really democratize neurofeedback and bringing technology to people. And uh, I thought this is something that I really want to be part of. And also <clears throat> our, uh, our CEO is extremely charismatic. So he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's very, pro <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty amazing. So uh, my immediate thought was uh, that's, that, that's the place I want to work at. I see. Now, as a scientist and as a person with a significant background in the biological sciences and neuroscience, what was it about Mendy uh, that appealed to you in particular? Well, because Mendy developed this, uh, so Mendy develops this neurofeedback headband, and it's it, it's a product that really is steeped in neuroscience. And for me, after meeting the team and and do some background reading on on, on the work they're doing, I was uh, really sold by the by the due diligence and and the quality of the of, of the of the work they're doing, and that really attracted me because I saw an opportunity here where I could combine. Again, my background in, in, in neuroscience, cognitive uh, neuroscience, and also behavioral design, and be able to uh, combine that to develop a very sort of human-centric or brain-centric uh, product. And uh, Mendy is the perfect place for that. And it's a unique product too, um, that we don't have that many competitors when it comes to the FNERS technology. I see, that's interesting. So speaking of the product, can you give us like a, a brief summary of, of what the Mendy headset is? Right, so the Mendy headsets is, is a, to be clear, it's a wellness device, even though it uses technology that is, um, that you can find in, in sort of um, in instruments, in research instruments that you find in clinical settings. So we use FNERS or uh, functional near infrared spectroscopy. And what it is basically, it's, it's um, so it's, FNERS is a hemodynamic method for neuro, uh, of neuroimaging that detects the concentration of oxygenated and deoxygenated hemoglobin or blood uh, in the neurovasculature. And it's reflective of a metabolic demand that underlies neural activity or activation. And the Mendy device sits basically on your forehead. So we're collecting basically um, the blood flow of an, or the hemodynamic uh, signals from the prefrontal cortex. And the reason we we're focused on this because the prefrontal cortex is the seat of the executive function. And that includes attention, concentration, uh, decision-making, emotion regulation. So really all the mental faculties that runs pretty much your everyday life. So Mendy measures these uh, brain signals and feeds it back to you in a, in a mobile app, both on iOS and Android. And using that basically teach you to how, um, well, it teaches you basically to, to, to it, it exercises your brain basically, and increase, you know, exercise to increase the blood flow to your brain, also maintain focus and at the same time, avoid distractions or, you know, learn to, uh, ignore distractions. So that's, you know, simply, uh, put what the Mendy device, uh, does. And it's, it's, like I said, it's a wellness device. So it, it's not FDA approved medical device and instead adheres to the FDA general wellness guidelines for low risk devices. I see. 
Now it's a it's a neurofeedback device. What exactly is, is neurofeedback? Right. So neurofeedback is a type of biofeedback. It's a you know psycho psychological procedure which real-time feedback of neural activation is provided to the user for the purpose of self-regulation, learning to control a specific neural substrate or neural activation, and has been shown to also cha change specific behaviors. So that, in, in essence, in, in, a very, in, a, in a very academic way, that's what it is, basically. So it's, it, it, it teaches you Let's say, for instance, uh, let's say focus, for instance. This is what we're, we're working on in Mendy. Um, in the game itself, when you're, when you're focusing the free, in your feedback game, uh, you can see that basically there's an upregulation. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it. You've seen uh, uh, the, the game of the ball going up, for instance. That reflects an increase in blood flow, right? That which is reflective of a consistent and ongoing neural activation, right? So that signal signals back to you what you're supposed to do. That current, the current mental state that you're in now is what you're supposed to be in as the ball going up. And when it drops, it means that your your focus more or less drop a little bit. It's this this you know it's uh, it's almost like operant conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when it drops, it it shows you that your focus has dropped. So you have to try to teach your yourself to go back to the state that you were in and to maintain the upward trajectory, more or less. Uh, and it's not really about control. It's, it's really about learning more than anything else. And it's it's a journey that takes time. Like everything that you learn in your life takes time. It's nothing that you, you're, you're going to nail it within the first three or four tries. It's something that takes a little bit of, of consistent learning and consistent uh, training, basically. I see. So it's basically, so it sounds like I have the, uh, the training simulation that's on my phone and I have the Mendy device. And over time, I get better at sending blood flow to the brain, right? And then over yeah. time, I can expect to be able to use that in my my general life, my day to day. That be accurate? <clears throat> that yeah, in essence, that's that's pretty much it. So it's it's you're learning a skill. That's mm. that's essentially what it is. But one thing, one important thing that you that people need to understand is that you know. The visual representation of, of um, brain activity during neurofeedback session, for instance, it, let, take Mendy, right? It aims to guide the brain to return to a preset session goal, which is, let's say, to focus and or relax or whatever the goal is for that particular user. But as you train, you get better at it. So you don't have to think about the visual representation in order to remember how to be focused or to be less anxious, to, for instance. It's learned, like I said, it's essentially learning a skill. Now, your question is very valid. Well, how does this apply to everyday life, right? Well, in, in everyday situations, people don't have to recall, you know, the effects of training experience. The effect tend to generalize, meaning that you tend to, uh, you tend to be more stable, you know, more resilient, and you have more cognitive flexibility. The brain uses- so kind of like, when I'm a when I weight lift at the gym, I'm generally stronger outside the gym. Kind of exactly. Yeah. So the brain is being trained for better self-regulation. So that's the generalization effect. And you're absolutely right. What you're saying is that you know when you when you hit the gym three or four times a week, uh, your muscles do get, do get bigger. Absolutely, you get more strong, more, more flexible. But you know, exercise itself is a huge. Well, it's it's a key component of for a better blood flow to the brain. So when you exercise, you feel more calm, right? 
the effects of exercise, physical exercise, uh, or you know, high intensity interval exercise, you feel more calm, you're more focused, you sleep better. So that's how basically, in, in essence, that's how neurofeedback works as well, is that yes, during the session itself, it seems that, well, how, how am I controlling the ball is going to help me uh, when I put down the phone or when I finish my session, but it's, it's not that, this is just a tool, right? It's the self-regulation that will help you uh, live on your life afterward you know you, you become more focused you can um you, you you're more present you can avoid distractions you're more calm you're less anxious it's all these compounding sort of effects that is the behavioral outcome neurofeedback so for for mendy we're not really interested i mean wh whether it's f neurs or eeg it doesn't really matter we're not interested in that what we're interested in at mendy is the behavioral outcome of neurofeedback we're not we're not interested in measuring the neural substrates or which exact circuitry in your prefrontal cortex that is important. That's not really important for us. We're not a research company. Yes. So it's, um, yeah, so this is this is how basically just in, in a very verbose way describing the sort of generalization effects. I see. So it sounds like it's a very outcome driven process, right? Exactly, exactly. But you know, unlike exercise, for instance, after a while, the effects of neurofeedback training tend to hold, right? Yes. And because the brain is a more or less a learning machine. So once the pathways that have fired together, that have been activated together for a long period of time, it learns a new behavior, this neural pattern. So eventually with constant, constant and, and, and consistent exercise over a period of time, it's, you know, it's the, the task is learned basically. So it has an enduring uh, well-felt effect basically. Um, but the brain like everything else right it's it's like like your skeletal muscles or your 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 body muscles you know you use it or you lose it of course i see yeah. plasticity because it can go in the exactly it's neuroplasticity. You. exactly exactly yeah because you know because neuroplasticity is in such an expensive process in the brain so the brain if, if you're not using a certain you know if, if, if you're not using certain pathways your brain's not going to maintain it you know it's like having a road that no one takes why keep it or why maintain it this is exactly the same sort of, uh, this is how the brain works as well. I see. Just like your muscle, just like your muscles will atrophy if you don't work out. Of course, I see. Now we talked about uh, the outcomes. So can you uh, kind of talk about what made FNIRS a good solution compared to EEG? Because that, we see EEG quite common with a lot of other uh, neurofeedback devices. That seems to be the most popular, probably like 80 to 90% of them are EEG. Well, what made FNIRS uh, the do you think the right decision for Mendy? For me, I don't I don't think there is a right or wrong decision here, um, and 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 it's important to understand that EEG or FNR is not really. I mean, every technique has a pros and cons. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, FNRs and EEG are complementary techniques, mm. and be, because EEG has been you know has been around for you know longer than FNRs, and just to explain what EEG is to your users, is basically EEG measures the brain electrical fields by electrodes, or basically antennas that are attached to your uh, to your uh, scalp. And the electrical fields are a result of basically something called electrochemical signals passing from one neuron to another. So when you have, and it's one essential part of EEG is synchrony. So it's, you, you cannot, you know, you, your brain, if, if you just listen to the electrical signals of your brain, you realize it's extremely noisy. There's a lot of brain chatter. 
and the background activity of the brain are, is constant. But then you have neural circuitry, you know, a, a group of neurons, uh, I mean, sometimes in the thousands and millions, sometimes that oscillate together, basically, they're, they're, they're in synchrony. And when that activity is strong enough and it's synchronous enough, then you can record that. So it's basically, it's when these, you know, electrical signals pa basically pass simultaneously in, in, in spatially extended and geometrically aligned neural population, the electrical field becomes amplified to the point where you're basically able to, to measure it. Now, that's basically EEG. And as, as you pointed out, a lot of um, some of our competitors, for instance, and a lot, uh, a lot of other devices measure that too. But the, the issue with EEG is in, it's an extremely noisy signal. So the working horse of, of such devices is really the signal processing algorithm. And it depends on what you're looking for. You have to parse through, you know, millions of traces to find a really, you know, the, the look to, to, to basically be able to parse the signal that you're looking for. However, the EEG signals are extremely rich and they carry a lot of data. So in my opinion, I think EEG is very suitable for, you know, for research purposes. But with FNERS, the nice thing about FNERS is that we're measuring blood flow, which is a proxy measurement to neural activation. And it's a very stable signal. Um, it's a very, very low noise signal. And it's very consistent too. Um, it's, a, it's a high fidelity signal. And Mendy has done tests we, with the University of Stockholm where we actually uh, measured the sort of the signal, we did signal validation study where we measured Mendy's signal uh, readout with uh, and, and a, a lab equipments called, I think it's called Efner's 100 from company Biopack. And it's, it's, uh, it's an instrument that's been used. It's, it's very popular in, in, in research in clinical settings. And the, basically the signal, the signal that readout from Mendy is very, very consistent with that from uh, lab equipments. But for us on Mendy, like I said before, we're not really interested in, we just want to, we would, most important thing for us is the behavioral outcome. So we chose Mendy, you know, Mendy chose FNERS, uh, the founders of, that developed the first product chose FNERS because it's, it's, you know, it's a high fidelity signal and it's easy to analyze and it's not as noisy and it's not, also it's not vulnerable to systemic contamination, for instance, from, you know, anything that has a battery or uh, has electricity running through it, such as lamps, screens, phones, you name it. So that's basically the reason for it, but there, there isn't really a clear, you know, this is better than this. It's, it's not, it's not really as simple as that. It's uh, if you were to make, if you were to be an objective observer, it's hard to make the case that one is better than the other. It depends on the, well, the setting, you know, the, the design setting, I'm sorry, the experimental design setting and what you're trying to do uh, with that brain signal. Of course, that makes sense. There's, there's no black and white. There's a lot of gray in between. Depends on the situation. It's like they always say, you know, in almost anything, it depends on what you're looking for. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it depends what you're looking for. Exactly. And for, for us, the behavioral outcome is far more important than uh, sort of knowing exactly the neural substrates. So for us, Efners is, is a perfect choice of uh, technique. I see. That transitions well to uh, my next set of questions. Uh, let's talk about some of the evidence beside the evidence behind the Mendy way and uh, the science. So you talked about the study that compared uh, Mendy to the uh, more expensive, I assume, research device. 
Uh, have there been any other uh, past studies on Mendy or studies that are in process? So Mendy itself, so the technology that we're using, Mendy, Efner's technology has been around for decades. This isn't, isn't something that Mendy you know, invented. Yes. And the neurofeedback technique is also something that's been around for a very long time as well. Um, so, but just, just to touch on, if I may touch on the neurofeedback uh, yes. for, for your users, Again, so over the last decade, neurofeedback has entered the mainstream culture, right? So Tobias Harris, I think, he's from of the Philadelphia 76ers, basketball player. Yeah. He uses he uses it to improve his focus. Mm -hmm. uh, motivational speaker Tony Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins credits neurofeedback for increasing his ability to multitask. Though on that point, I would like to say that uh, we tell our users that you know when a when a one of the communications that we, we we come out with to our users is that you really cannot multitask. There is a neural architecture constraints that prevents the brain from multitasking. And multitasking is really bad for you, right? So the brain really hasn't changed in the past you know, 10,000 years. It's, it's, it's a very serial, slow machine. And so when people credits neurofeedback for increasing their ability to multitask. It doesn't really mean that you can, you, know, you can basically process three thoughts in your head at the same time. It means that you're basically, uh, you're sort of um, control, basically you're minimizing the time that it takes for switching between tasks. Yeah, I've heard of rapid that's, switching that's the, is what it is. That's the best it can get, you, you can get to, because it's, it's simply, you cannot simply, have two thoughts at the same time. We can switch between the time between the two, but you can never keep it for a long time. Uh, sorry, you cannot uh, think of it. Uh, think of two thoughts at the same time. Yes. And 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 neurofeedback has been on the rise in the U.S. and here in Europe, both in in Holland and in, in the Netherlands, and also in Germany. So practitioners across the the U.S. use neurofeedback to treat conditions like you know ADHD, major depressive disorder, major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, epilepsy. You know. Uh, traumatic brain injuries. And the FDA actually cleared a wide range of neurofeedback devices to treat those uh, those and other conditions. And the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, I think it's called, lists it as, one of, as an option in the case of ADHD in children. So, you know, it, it's, and also in, in, in the, you know, in the realm of research, there is a, a growing body of peer-reviewed articles that has investigated the uh, you know the efficacy of neurofeedback techniques in treating cl clinical conditions such as as I mentioned ADD, but also for instance in testing the efficacy of neurofeedback in sports performance, especially those who play golf, for instance, or um, baseball. So it's 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 a technique that is new in terms of you know stepping into the limelight, but at the same time there is a growing evidence behind its its. Uh, um, well, behind its efficacy as well. And I think, um, if I can remember correctly, and um, there's also called, uh, there's a huge project actually supported by the European Commission called Brain Training that is aimed to actually establish and, and investigate, basically develop protocols for using neurofeedback. Because in, in not everything in science is standardized and not every research groups communicate with the other. So, some studies have shown great results. Others have sort of um, shown a light on, you know, whether the efficacy is, you know, if it's, it's, it's or either, you know, either fail to replicate the results 
or didn't have didn't you know reach the same efficacy as the the peer-reviewed articles that came before but this is normal you know just because one research did not replicate uh, one sorry one one group didn't manage to replicate uh, the outcome of another group that could be you know that can be attributed to many many reasons not just you know that the you cannot just um, definitely say that this technique is not working or anything because uh, it really depends on, on on the experimental design and what exactly uh, the parameters, how are you controlled in the study. So there is a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of random control studies that needs to be establishing these techniques and standardizing it. And this will take time. This is not something that happens over time. You, I mean, science and research is a slow process by default. So, and yeah, so this is this is just a sort of a, a quick run through what's available out there. But Mendy, other than the uh, now that I mentioned that we basically we we use FNR as an established technique. It's been around for decades, so it's sort of there is no, um, if you will, there's no contention around what we're measuring is sort of uh, if it's sort of legit or not. I it's, see. It's it's something that's validated, scientifically yeah. validated for decades. Yes, exactly. And and at Mendy, and I'd like to touch up on that. We're actually doing. We have a lot of high profile partners, and we're running research studies. For instance, uh, one of our partners is the KU Leuven University in Belgium, and we're running studies. They they are running studies basically. So we're we're basically their silent partners. We don't in, we don't intervene in their research at all. We we. Uh, we provide them with devices and we help them with analysis, you know, um, sending them raw data and helping them technically as much as possible. So the, the study that we're doing with them, for instance, is regarding um, can neurofeedback intervention help uh, emergency residence doctor in, in, in Belgium to cope better with stress work, uh, workplace stress and prevent burnout. And that study is actually ongoing currently. And we're hoping to collect these, uh, the data in the next hopefully eight or ten weeks. And I then see. we have, yeah, and we also we have a an, another study with uh, University of Gothenburg here, the University Hospital testing um, neurofeedback intervention on ADHD outpatients because the majority of the of the so so the most prevalent treatment for ADHD is pharmacological, right? And and it's it has its you know dark sides of of basically administering these kind of very potent drugs. Oh yeah. So neurofeedback, yeah, and, and especially in the U.S., you guys are pretty heavily medicated population. <laughs> I think one in three American adults is on some type of prescription medication, um, and and the rise of ADD and 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 the diagnosis of ADHD is is still a little bit murky. Mm. Uh, so. What we're doing here is see if neurofeedback can be an, you know, a sort of an auxiliary um, intervention, you know, besides the pharmacological, because there's some things, there are some aspects of, of ADHD that Mendy cannot really help with, but it might help with, for instance, um, increasing inhibition in those, um, in those ADHD patients. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And we have at least three more studies running currently in, in different um, fields. I see. And that's what made me pretty interested in both neurofeedback and many, because I'm diagnosed with ADHD. And I was prescribed a, a medication for a while. 
but uh, the side effects were just too much. I mean, it made me made me sweat a lot, like I was on a hard drug. It made me made my hand shake very badly, like I had like a lot less dexterity. And so the side effects for me just weren't worth it, even for the, uh, the help of the symptoms, because it was messing up so many other parts of my life. Uh, thankfully, I found other uh, alternative solutions uh, related to health and wellness that helped a lot. So I still deal with ADHD symptoms uh, often and things like meditation, stuff like that helps. But quite excited to see how neurofeedback will help with that. And I've been using Mindy and I've, I've found a, a bit of transfer in my life as well. So I'm excited to see uh, what's up next. So that transitions well to uh, my next question. Uh, what would you say people are saying about Mendy so far? Like, what are the users saying about Mendy so far? So we have a lot of users, and just to touch again on the ADHD, if I if I just if if, you, if we pedal back a little bit here, yes, um, this is really exciting. I think you should probably look it up, and also you, your your uh, listeners should uh, look it up. And, and it's actually there is a study uh, called a novel FNR's neurofeedback intervention for enhancement of working memory and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It's a study that's been running for about three or four years, I think, and it will end on the 30th of September of this year. Mm. So in about one, in about a week's time. And it's done on children between the age of seven and 11. And the study is run uh, by a group in Stanford. So I'm really excited, really, really excited to see the outcome of, of, of this study and the, the efficacy of, of neurofeedback on working memory, especially in those kids with ADHD. So there is, I mean, there, there is, as, as much as people sometimes are critical or, you know, skeptical to neurofeedback, there are studies that, you know, there's a lot of money being poured into this technique. And, and you know, if, if Stanford is running that kind of study, then you know there is there's a lot of merit to that kind of technique. Um, yeah, that I, does remind me of something really quickly. I've been learning a lot about like uh, uh, breathing and mindfulness and meditative practices uh, related to improving mental wellness. And this one neuroscientist, I forgot which university she's from, uh, but she, she like mainly focuses on breathing. The one thing she brought up that I thought was pretty insightful was that uh, things like mindfulness and breathing for mental wellness, that's not new, really, because they've been doing that in the East for decades, if not really yeah. centuries. So it's not really new stuff. It's kind of new to the West. Uh, but this stuff has been pretty well validated uh, for years. It's kind of a new thing, so to speak, uh, for the West. So I think neurofeedback is somewhat related to, to mindfulness. So anyways, these practices that involve, I think, introspection and meta thinking and stuff like that, it's not very new uh, in the first place, the way I see it. The, the difference is, so let's take meditation, for instance. Does meditation work? Yeah, sure it does. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's indisputable. But at the same time, I, I meditated for a long time as well. I because I had a burnout and I had to sort of you know crawl out of that rut of burnout. Um, but the, the difference is between, for instance, using Mendy as a neurofeedback device is that you can actually visualize mm -hmm. your progress, right? There is, you can report a feeling from meditation that you feel more calm and everything. But with you know with with Mendy, you have a biomarker of your blood flow, and if we can correlate that blood flow, you can see like the improvement over time. And in term both baseline blood flow, but also how you perform in the game itself. Over time, that will you, you can yeah you can you can you can sort of correlate how well your well-being, how you feel, with the actual results. So we basically put a number on uh, on your progress. You know, yes. we visualize it. It's a biomarker. You can see it. It's validated with the scientific technology. So it's it's uh, that's compared to, for instance, meditation. So I use Headspace sometimes for meditation 
Yes. And it, it only registers, oh, you've done 10 minutes today. That's it. Yeah. Right. I can't, I, you know, that, that's all you get from it. You've done 10 minutes meditation, but there's no, there's no scientific self-reporting way where I can actually validate that what I'm feeling is actually also reflected physiologically in me. Yes. That if, I, if I'm more focused, then yeah, maybe because my, you know, the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex has increased after using menu for eight or 12 weeks. So we're using technology to basically sort of, I, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but see it as an augmented meditation, if you will. Yes. Well, it's 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 um, technologically inclined meditation almost. Yes, so there's a quote I like. Sir? Yeah, there's a quote Sorry. I like that goes, uh, "What what gets measured gets managed." So I think that that applies pretty well to what Mendy is doing. Exactly, exactly. And if you can met and with neuroplasticity, you know, the independent variable, you can push it. You know, you can you can perform better. Uh, you can you can you know you can be more relaxed. You can be more focused. You can. It's that's that's the. That's the beauty of neuroplasticity. You're imbued with this almost superpower to actually alter your brain. And, and you know, it's been debunked for a decade now. People will say, well, when you hit your, 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 the age of 25, that's it. Your brain is hardwired. You'll never be able to learn a language or a, a skill or anything, you know, anything difficult. But the brain, if maintained, if you live a healthy life, that neuroplasticity is with you to, to, your, well, to your last breath, basically. Yes. Yeah, I remember reading about studies, and I talked to uh, uh, Dr. Sherry All. She wrote a book called The Neuroscience of Memory that came out, I think, last year. So I was reading some That's of her work, video, and yeah. some of her work, and some of recent, some of the recent work. And I mean, they found plasticity and neurogenesis going on into people, like into their 80s. So that's just one case. And I'm reading another book called the uh, pretty big book, pretty famous book, The Brain That Changes Itself. And the author mm -hmm. talked about some of the plasticity research. Uh, from like the 80s and 90s and before a lot of it just wasn't published because if you had plasticity in the title <laughs> and I'd remove it from the title you didn't get published or if you had plasticity in your work it was like no well we don't that's not that's not what the mainstream mainstream agree with so if you had plasticity or if you're re researching plasticity you're almost like a black sheep in yeah. the brain sciences and until relatively recently until it was basically proven beyond a, a shadow of a doubt this, this stuff still happens but yeah people try to deny plasticity for for decades basically which i thought was crazy yeah no i mean it's it's in, in your hippocampus for instance involved in and you know consolidating forming and consolidating memory uh neurogenesis is well and alive there especially it's been found in people who are up to 75 years old i think there is a, a study that showed that but also at the same time it is known beyond reasonable doubt that you know aerobic exercise or you know running or weightlifting, especially you know leg work in the gym actually increases neurogenesis in your hippocampus. So your brain is not just, you know, you hit 25 years old and that's it. It's a down, it's a downward, downward spiral from there. It's not, it's, 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 it's incredible what your human body can achieve if you really take care of it. Absolutely. Okay. So let's transition back to, to where we were. We almost got off the track. So uh, what are users and uh, customers saying about Mendy so far? What kind of things are, is the Mendy team hearing? You know, we're, we're, we work very closely with our users and both for product development, but also we, everything they write to us or uh, anything reported from bugs or, you know, in the app or some of them just writing emails saying to us, for instance, uh, that they, it, it helped them with, for instance, uh, being able to focus, be more present, you know, after using Mendy for eight to 10 weeks, we've had parents who wrote to us for instance, saying that they've used it. They, they've uh, bought Mendy for, uh, 
one, I think one parent for their child who has ADHD, I think. And she said herself that, you know, it, it has helped, you know, to increase sort of, you know, inhibition of, of, of uh, because one of the issues in ADHD is the, the lack of inhibition. So that's why you keep, you know, switching tasks all the time and cannot focus on anything. But it seems that Mendy and neurofeedback of using Mendy has helped uh, that, you know, their children would actually increase inhibition. They're more present. They can actually sit and have a conversation without having to, uh, uh, you know, be distracted by environmental stimuli. So the, the, really the, the, the flood of, of users writing to us, uh, it's been a mix, anything from, you know, improved sleep, improved focus, you know, more grounded, less, um, less anxious, more focused. So it's, it's, it's really been, it's, it's a mixed basket of, uh, of positive feedback. And, and we are, we expect that because all these, you know, positive feedbacks has been related to, you know, a better, you know, a better blood flow and, and more consistent training of the prefrontal cortex. So it's, um, it's really, it's inspiring to see that. And, and, and it makes us really happy. And like, you know, it's a reminder why we're doing this, you know, in the first place, and also gives us a lot of energy to improve and the product and adding more features and, uh, you know, releasing more training experiences and so on. So it's, it's, um, it's really been, it, it's been a, a, mis, a mixed basket of reporting that's been positive uh, from our users. And we have up to 20,000 users and we're growing, you know, uh, constantly. So it's, um, yeah, it's very, it's very inspiring. We're really happy about it. I see. Pretty awesome. So about how long does it take to see results from Mendy approximately? So we, we recommend that people use Mendy at least three times a week using, uh, we're trying to nudge them to use, to use Mendy for about, you know, 10 minute sessions or 15 and maybe start easy with five minute sessions. Um, but three times a week for at least, you know, six, eight, 10 weeks. But it's also important to understand that you know near the, the behavioral outcome of neurofeedback is subjective there is no there's no recipes that are going to work for everyone but what you can make sure of is that you 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 stick to that routine and you make it a habit and try to challenge yourself too you know just don't don't do it and then you know and and just you know do let's put it this way do it with a purpose you know remember why you're doing this in the first place I think that's really important because it'll be more goal oriented. You know, the FNERS or EEG or Mendy or any other devices is, is not a panacea. You know, there's no silver bullet that's going to fix everything. Yes. It needs the, well, the effort from the users too, that to stick by this, you know, to do it three times or even more every single day for six to eight weeks and make it a habit. That's what's really important. But the majority of, of our users are reporting after, you know, eight to 10 weeks. They usually report some. Uh, behavioral changes or basically some effects uh, in their everyday lives, anything from, yeah. Uh, I see. So it's kind actually, of like exercise where like, I mean, I can go to the gym and, and then bench press for one day or, or do it for two weeks. But if I, if I stop for three months, I might, might, I might not see much, might not see many gains if I just go out, go work of out. Of course. Work. Yeah. And, and if you stop, and, and even if you get, let's say you get a six pack and you stop, what happens? Well, they will disappear. Your, your muscles will atrophy. And this is the same thing as well. This is, you know, it's been such a huge focus in the past decade, you know, with the gym movements and everyone hitting the gym and so on. And you have to, uh, you know, experts and practitioners and coaches saying that, well, you know, the 
the solution to everything is, you know, better physical health. Sure, yeah, it's part of it, right? So we're, we're at Mendy, we're trying to shine a light on the fact that this, you know, this lump of fat and water in your head also needs training, right? Um, and what are you other than a brain and a body that carries it around? That's who you are. Yes. And so it's, it's really important that just like you hit the gym and make a gym a habit and exercise or running, whatever it is, in, in whatever format your, you know, physical exercise, uh, in whatever format it is, you know, neurofeedback and brain training is just as important there too. It's something that you need to do constantly. So, and this is what we tell our users. It's not just, you know, doing it for eight weeks and you're set for life. There's, yeah. there's no such thing. You know. I wish. I see. So a lot of people in my audience, they're citizen scientists or they're tinkerers. Uh, does Mendy plan to allow access to some of the raw FNIRS data eventually? So currently, we're, we only grant access to data uh, to our partners, research partners. And because we currently, uh, we, we, I mean, we still, uh, we still have not built a platform to allow everyone to have access to the data. Um, and because of our different priorities that we have right now that we're focusing mainly on developing the product and, you know, delivering the best results possible to our users. And I agree a lot of biohackers and what you call tinkerers, for instance, they want access to that data and we hear them and, you know, everything that we, everyone who writes to us, whether it's on Facebook or via mail or you name it, all these things are, you know, all, all these feed, all this feed, feedback is, you know, is collected and tabulated and we go through it and we try to prioritize and see how we can bring more functionality and more value to users. And in what, in, 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 in what shape, and, you know, what kind of feature, depending on this feedback, can we develop to address uh, their needs? So currently, um, you know, to, to those who want access to the data, we hear you. And we are fully aware of that. It's all I can say it's in the works, but we will definitely develop infrastructure, uh, hopefully next year or the year after that, where people can have, where our users can have access to their data and download it as a CSV file or visualize it in a dashboard. But for now, we're only sort of, you know, um, catering to our research partners because that's our priority at this point. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you can't, can't do everything at the same time, especially as a startup. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and you know we're we're a, we're a small we're a small startup or a small team, so it's uh, you you can you can only stretch yourself thin, so you know uh, to a certain point. I see. That, that transitions well to uh, my next question. What are some of Mendy's main goals for uh, this year? I mean, I guess to wrap up this year and the next twelve months. So for this year, we're working on making two releases. Uh, we're changing the UI a little bit, uh, improving the user flow uh, design. And, but most interestingly as well is that we want to get to know our users better. So there'll be onboarding uh, feature where people actually can uh, state clearly their, their goal with using Mendy. So we can actually you know, customize uh, the experience for them. Uh, but what's more exciting is we're, we're, we're adding two new gaming experiences at Mendy. Uh, in the Mendy app, mm. and uh, that's that's our sort of short-term plan uh, for now. And um, I can't really reveal that much for next year. Uh, we still have to uh, 
it's it's we, we try to you know not to communicate it too much but it's it's a lot of we have a lot of things in the works and we want to make mendy a one-stop shop for brain health in general i mean the 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 neurofeedback aspect of it is just a tool right and we want to make mendy a place where people can learn about brain health uh you know learn how to develop habits use neurofeedback for their own benefits uh, and and we try to be more or less build an ecosystem yes. uh, for Mendy. Uh, uh, Mendy, we, we're, we we aim not to make Mendy just another you know sort of. I mean, there are a lot of competitors out there who just have a you know, they have a headband and an app, and it's just a gadget, right? Yeah. What what I love about Mendy is that everything we do is is scientifically validated, and it might it might come across as you know, well, why haven't you released this kind of feature? Why haven't you released this kind of feature, for instance? And this reminds me of one thing. I think it was an interview, an interview with one of the Apple executives, uh, product executives, and they asked him, well, why haven't you developed a better weather app for iOS? And his answer was, and, and I really espoused that kind of thinking, was, well, we haven't found a good way to do it. Right, they're working on it, but they had if if they want to do it correctly, you know, it takes time. So they would rather get it right from the get go, than you know just just release a game or release an app or an app, an app feature or release whatever. So this is what we're doing at Mendy. You know, everything we do, it really takes we we do our due diligence. I mean, with with the game experience, for instance, we don't just want to develop a game. We want to develop a game that is optimized for neurofeedback. We have competitors, for instance. Who develop games which are really i think it's, it's a too reductive uh, of a game when it comes to neurofeedback because neurofeedback is not just a game you know we have to we have a stringent criteria mendy for what needs to be incorporated in the game itself to make it ideal for neurofeedback it's not just a racing a racer car basically you know a game or a 2d game but we, we want to make it as immersive as meaningful and as goal-oriented as possible and that's why I think it's it's the best way to do it is you know we take our time and we release you know a feature or a functionality or a game experience when we know that we've got it right. I think that's what's more important than just developing a game, and that's what really attracts me to to Mendy in the first place. And the 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 team at Mendy, which are you know probably the best people I've ever worked with, so. Without rambling too much, this is this is what I see Mendy, you know, going forward. This is this is our mission. This is what we want to do: is become an ecosystem for brain health, a one-stop shop, uh, with a lot of uh, features, with a lot of content, with a lot of, you know, um, helping people develop habits and also take care of their brain. So, that that's our mission, and I, and I'm and I'm absolutely certain that we'll get there in soon enough. I see. Yeah, I was going to ask what uh, Mendy's uh, mission slash uh, what impact it wanted to have, but I think you covered that pretty well. So that helps me transition to the next question. Let's say I want to work in neurotech for a company like Mendy, or I just want to work in neurotech and help uh, with this sort of thing, with this sort of industry uh, to improve the world and improve mental wellness. What if I want to be like you? Like, what if I want to work in neurotech or something like that? Do you have any recommendations? Because there are a lot of people that are like uh, students or they're young people in my audience. So maybe you talk about like maybe what should we major in or what to do outside of school if you want to be like you. Well, it's it, you know, I have to say this. Um, I always say this when people 
sort of, not a lot of people ask me that, but the, the, those who know me, how I ended up where I am today, a lot, of, I, would th- I would say a lot of it, I just stumbled my way forward. Yes. Um, how I ended up in neuroscience was actually, it's a, it's a complete fluke. I, um, it really is, it really is. I can, I can make this very short. I, uh, I was supposed to apply, you know, when, when you do your bachelor in the UK, you have, you're, you have to do a senior project at the, in your final year. And I, well, let's just say I was not a, I was lazy. I think that's the word. And, you know, all the, all the, all the projects that were put in the student portal, they were taken because I was too late and I didn't bother to check the student portal to choose a project. Mm. So there was one left and I kind of have to take it. And I showed up at the, uh, at at the professor's office. Her name was Marlene Bartos and she was a neuroscientist from, from uh, Germany. Mm. (laughs) Literally, I just said, Hey, this is me. Uh, I'm supposed to do a project in your lab. And it was in neuroscience. And it really, it's, it's, it's pure luck because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I got into it and I loved it. She, she does, she works with electrophysiology. So, you know, uh, the, the, sort of working with the biophysics of, of um, neural signaling. And I just fell in love with neuroscience and I continued to do uh, a, a master's and moved on to do a PhD as well. And then I think it's what helped me with getting into tech is the fact that during my PhD, we did a lot of, you know, we did, you know, numerical modeling, data analysis. So you're sort of, we, I was already have this baggage of, of the most sort of, uh, if you will, afterthought skills in tech currently. And that is, you know, that's data, that's development, uh, that's software development. So it was easy for me just to sort of uh, come in and basically in, 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 uh, in tech, uh, if I were to, for instance, do something else that is not sort of technically inclined. So I think it's, it really depends on if someone wants to work in neurotech, it depends on what kind of role they want to work in. Yeah. Uh, if they want to work in software engineering, then, you know, do developments. Um, if you want to um, work in behavioral design, then, you know, do design and then take courses in psychology, basically. You need to understand how the human brain works so you can actually develop a product that is, uh, that is human-centric, that's brain-centric. You need to understand how the mental faculties uh, of human beings work. I think that's really important. This is what we're trying to do here as well at Mendy is that we have a lingua franca at Mendy. We all know, we have a a common language where we understand when we talk about Mendy and the executive functions and the mental faculties, we're all sort of aligned. So it's having this baseline understanding of, well, neuroscience and psychology. So I think it's, it really depends on what you want to do. In, in the first place and, and what role you want in, to work in neurotech. If you want to work in, in R&D, then my suggestion is to, yeah, go with software engineering and uh, hardware development. I think that's uh, that's the most, uh, that's what you end up doing if you want to do R&D, for instance. Take, for instance, Neuralink, yes. right? Um, they work in collaboration with the universities, so they don't have a full-time employees, let's say, neuroscience. I'm sure they do, but the majority of them you know, these are hardcore engineers, hardware engineers, right? And they work with neuroscientists as well to complement, you know, to fill in this, you know, knowledge gap. So I think it's, it really depends on what you want to do. Uh, but, you know, having a science background never really hurts because everything you do, you, you know, the, the, when, when you do research, you're, you become very methodological person. You know, you take everything, you have to break everything's down. You have to have a full understanding before you embark on whatever that you're doing. So it's, it's a mindset that needs to, that you need to sort of embody. Uh, and, and, and I love that. Uh, it, this drives what, most of what I do. So um, 
yeah, that's so just to go back to what I said again, it really depends on what you want to do in neurotech. I see. Yeah, I think that encapsulates pretty encapsulates that pretty well. Uh, what Dr. Cody Rawl, who you spoke with recently, right? Yeah. Uh, what he said is, uh, he said, just follow your interests because, I mean, if you want to work in this space, make sure you're doing something that you're interested in, in the space. Exactly. Exactly. And neuroscience is not really rocket science. It's it's easy to it's it's uh, it's uh, you know, given time, you can you can create a sort of working understanding of what what you work with and. You know, it depends. A lot of people think that, oh, you need a PhD or a master's and whatever to have a work understanding. Not really. You have to just choose the depth of knowledge that you want to know to, to work with yeah. and just go from there. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's what's really important, just choosing the depth that really of understanding in neuroscience that fits the role that you're after. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's like Cody said, just follow your interests and uh, you'll be surprised where you end up. I see. It sounds like that's kind of what you did or <laughs> your interest plus. I did. I, yeah. I, I was very fortunate yeah. actually to have strokes of luck, to be yeah. honest, because um, um, yeah, but it, it worked out for me. And I, uh, I, I now work with an incredible team, an incredible startup with amazing bosses. So um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. I see. Very nice. Okay. So that wraps all my questions up pretty well. Uh, if I want to learn more about Mendy, where should I go on the internet or where do I go to learn more about Mendy? Well, you can follow our Instagram account, for instance. We have an incredible content uh, content production team and we have also a medium uh, channel, uh, medium page uh, where our content manager, Isabel, writes in incredible um, uh, you know, articles, uh, a variety of articles about brain health. You can subscribe to our uh, news uh, newsletter and uh, on the website as well. There you find a lot of information. And uh, otherwise, join our Facebook group or write to us directly, and uh, I'll be more than happy to answer those questions. I see. And that website. I usually sit and I, I usually sit and actually I, I answer a lot of these questions that uh, reach us by email. So uh, yeah. I see. That's good to know. So, so if somebody has some questions, has a question, they might be answered by you then. Yes, if it, if it requires some little bit more scientific aspect to it, then yeah, that'll I'll, that'll be me. I see. You might hear the cat in the background. She wants to play. I have to wrap it up soon. <laughs> so the website is uh, is mendy.io. Exactly. All right. So if you want to check out Mendy, you can go to mendy.io. And as Mustafa said, they've got a good Facebook and an Instagram and a Medium where you can read about them. I'll put all of that in the show notes. And right now, my cat wants to play, so I've got to go. Uh, Mustafa, thank you for this, and enjoy Thanks the rest for of your having day. Me. Take it easy. Yeah, Bye. Thank you. Bye.